Welcome to the Work Camper Show, a podcast devoted to helping you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. I'm Steve Anderson, the president of Work Camper News. Each one of our episodes will either introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to opportunities to work short-term jobs. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Thanks, Steve. Today I'm interviewing an expert on dealing with difficult people. It's a topic all of us have to contend with at some point, be it at work, in family situations, or even social settings. Today's episode is sponsored by The Dreamer's Journey. It's an online course and community produced by Work Camper News. Life is way too short to keep your dreams on hold, so don't be held back by fear because you were designed for more. Get started in the RV lifestyle the right way with this comprehensive guide. For just $29.95 for one year of access, Dreamers have unlimited viewing of 50 plus videos to learn things like what type of RV to buy, goal setting, how to budget for the adventure, developing a positive mindset, setting up a domicile, and operating a small business on the road, plus everything about work camping and how to find the right job for you. Each video is 30 to 90 minutes long to give in-depth coverage on every topic. There's no wrong time to get started. So for more information, visit www.rvdreamersjourney.com. Dr. Jeff Riggenbach is a certified behavioral consultant from Oklahoma who has some keen insight into difficult personality traits. He's the author of a book titled Disarming High Conflict Personalities, Dealing with the Eight Most Difficult People in Your Life Before They Burn You Out. Working with difficult people has been the focus of his career for several years. He coaches employers on how to better manage the plethora of personalities in their organizations, and he coaches individuals who may need to contend with a particularly challenging situation. Jeff is also a dodo, or dad of daughters only, to twin 11-year-olds. He defines difficult people as individuals who either do things we don't want them to do or don't do things that we really want them to do. Jeff defines five characteristics of high-conflict personalities. First, they are easily triggered and just seem to go off for what we may consider silly reasons. Second, Jeff said difficult people often feel things more intensely than other people. Third, they have extreme thinking about certain things. For example, perfectionism is an extreme behavior because whatever they do must be perfect or it isn't worth doing at all. Fourth, Jess said difficult people exhibit inflexible or impulsive behavior that they feel they can only do things a certain way. That's a good trait if you're a brain surgeon, but a problem in other work environments. Another way to describe these people is they have no filter. They'll sometimes act up or say awkward things at inappropriate times. Lastly, high-conflict people just don't get it. They lack awareness and rarely see themselves as the problem or they point fingers at other people all the time. High-conflict people are often the result of communications problems, but it can also be a cultural problem, and the boss sets the tone for the culture of a workplace. Jeff describes some situations to help people distinguish between a communications problem and a cultural problem. Jeff also identifies eight different types of difficult people, starting with the increasingly prevalent bully. To tell us more about dealing with difficult people and high-conflict personalities, please welcome certified behavioral consultant Jeff Riggenbach to the show. 
Thanks for joining me today, Jeff. I really appreciate the time. Tell me a little bit about you and where you're from. Yeah, it's good to be with you, Greg. My name is Jeff Rickenbaugh. I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm a speaker, trainer, coach with the John Maxwell team and a certified behavioral consultant with Personality Insights. How long have you been doing? I've been doing the speaking, training, coaching just under seven years now. I've been dealing with difficult people in different settings for the past 20 to 25 years. And early on, that was a little more in the clinical setting, dealing with people in outpatient clinics and psychiatric hospitals and more counseling type of work. But I would say seven years, roughly, dealing with more workplace and general settings. And you just recently released a book on disarming high-conflict personalities, correct? That's right. One thing you and I have in common is we're both dodos, or dads of daughters only. So when it comes to experience with high-conflict personalities, you and I probably have more experience in that than others. Now, I've been called a dodo before, but I didn't know that's what that meant. So I guess I'm going to be able to use that to take my own advice and not take it personally. That's right. I'll, I'll, I'll assign a different meaning to that now. Dodo, I like that. Exactly. In fact, you have twin tweens. Tweens, I guess, is what they call them. I'm not trendy enough to know the uh, lingo these days, but I do have twin 11-year-old daughters. That's awesome. What is a difficult person? <laughs> oh, it's a good question. I oftentimes half-jokingly say, a difficult people are a people who do the things we don't want them to do and don't do the things we do want them to do. Technically, I've got five different characteristics of what makes somebody difficult, but because it, I think it is important to be pretty clear about what we're talking about here because it's easy for people just to give somebody a label because they don't like them. <laughs> so a difficult person is not just somebody we don't like. It's not just somebody that we may be different than beliefs-wise, morals-wise, personality-style-wise. There's a lot of ways we can just be different. But my five characteristics are, number one, that difficult people are easily triggered. Okay, triggered is a word that uh, has been common in the psychology world for years, but now we're hearing it more in the mainstream. And we all get triggered from time to time. We all have our sort of hot button issues or things that get under our skin. But difficult people are uniquely triggered much more frequently than the rest of us. Hopefully we can put ourselves in the non-difficult category. They get triggered so much more regularly only than everybody else. And also, I guess this bleeds into one of the later ones, but they feel things more intensely. So easily triggered and they're triggered more severely when they are triggered. So that's number one, easily triggered. Number two is that they have extreme thinking. And extreme thinking can look different in the different types of difficult. For instance, people that are what I call bullies are people with narcissistic personality traits. And in these people, extreme thinking might look like, you know, if I have to be absolutely elite to be special or else I'm nothing at all. So you see all these efforts to just be and portray themselves as better than other people. For another, we may see more sort of perfectionistic type of thinking. I have to do things absolutely perfectly or else it's not even worth doing at all. It's not even worth starting. So just two examples of how extreme thinking can look very different in different people. So number one, easily triggered. Number two, extreme thinking. Number three, intense emotions. Again, that's part of the triggering of number one, but these people just feel everything very intensely when they have these episodes. And anybody that's worked with somebody who is always pretty intense and strung a lot higher than everybody else knows it can be stressful just to be around these people. 
So easily triggered, extreme thinking, intense emotions. Number four has to do with inflexible or impulsive behavior. So inflexible behavior. They have to do things a certain way. Now, all of us have personality traits. We've got our tendencies. We may have tendencies to be a little perfectionistic or a little dramatic or whatever, but it's just part of our personality. It's a tendency. It's not a big deal. But if I have a tendency to be a little dramatic and I'm attending a friend's funeral, I recognize in that setting it's not appropriate to be a little dramatic and always crack at a joke with somebody. So I can turn it on and off according to context. Difficult people can't do that. So they're going to be the way that they are regardless of what's appropriate for the setting. So it can get them in trouble in different areas of life. So that's number four, inflexible behavior. And then number five, not only are they easily triggered, have extreme thinking, intense emotions, inflexible behavior, but here's the kicker. They don't get it. Lack of awareness. So a lot of times difficult people become problems for the people that work with them and are around them in their personal life before they realize it. So it's not a problem for them. It's a problem for other people. And so oftentimes it's one of the reasons that these people have very little interest in being different. Is it safe to assume that if you can't find the difficult person in the room, you're probably him? And that is one of the jokes that I typically start off with, because if you can't spot the difficult person in your in the first five or six seconds, yeah, it might be you. A lot of us are easily triggered. It can be relatively calm and easygoing, but there are certain people in my life who can dial up my combination and unlock the vault that will just cause me to erupt over something. And kids were especially adept at doing that, intentionally trying to push my buttons and trigger me in that regard. Does that make me a difficult person? Well, that's what I was going to say. Some people do it intentionally, and some people just have a tendency of rubbing everybody the wrong way. They know, uh, if somebody knows us, whether it's a child or whether it's somebody you know, in a dating relationship or uh, an in-law or somebody, crazy Uncle Herb coming up here at the, the holidays. We have a lot of these conversations. If somebody knows what your button is and just pushes it on purpose, that's a little different because we all have issues that we're passionate about. Now we can all work on getting our buttons pushed less and having better awareness and better self-control skills and handling ourselves better in those conversations. But no, difficult people Again, many buttons can be triggered on a broad range of things and oftentimes without even realizing it. Half the time, friends or family or coworkers don't even realize what they said. And these difficult people are upset with that. Is this a communications problem or more of a culture problem, being the family or the workplace? I'm glad you asked that. There is a difference between a communication problem and a larger culture problem. A lot of times I'll speak at a conference and I'll have a CEO talk with me and quizzing me to see if I might be able to help with some of the issues going on in their organization. And a lot of times I'll get people saying, I think it's just a communication problem. Maybe we just need a staff retreat or we just need a little basic communication training. And I like to define communication as a message sent plus a message received. And where you have two meaning people who are miscommunicating, maybe they have different personality styles. Some people use the term personality clash. That's just when you have people with two different sort of types of personalities. Not that neither one of them are difficult in and of themselves, but they're just different. And so if you've got that sort of a clash, you've oftentimes got different communication styles. But if you've got two well-meaning people where you can point this out and one person can see 
oh, here's how I am coming across. I didn't mean to come across in that way. Maybe I could say things a little bit differently. And you've got the other person who has the awareness to be able to say, oh, I didn't realize he or she didn't mean it that way. Maybe I was taking it in a way that it wasn't intended. And so we can work to fix that communication problem. So communication problems, the short of it is, are fairly easily fixed when you have two non-difficult people who are just having some sort of a clash or a communication problem. When you've got a larger issue here, a personality ultimately leads to a culture problem within an organization, within a family. It's when you've got a difficult person for one or more reasons is not capable of or is not willing to make one of those adjustments when the communication difficulty has been presented. I would think that would fall pretty much on the boss or the leader in that, in creating the culture. Is that correct? Yeah, it all starts at the top. So leadership sets the tone for everybody else. And I often say, you know, we teach people how to treat us. We teach people how to treat us. I didn't come up with that, but I heard it somewhere along the way. And I think it's brilliant because oftentimes I'll have people push back and say, oh, no, no, wait, I never said to do that. Or I never told her that was okay. And so maybe we didn't say something with our mouth, with our words, but when we, and in the context of your question, when leadership comes across in a certain way, you can say ABC is not okay, but then if you don't follow through, then you send the message, there's no consequences for my actions, I can really do whatever I want to do. Or some CEOs, for instance, are very conflict avoidant. Sometimes it's not the CEO, sometimes it's like a middle management sort of person who the CEO just wants to be hands-off, wants the middle management to be able to deal with the situation. You got a conflict-avoidant person in that situation, and they're not able to set the tone. They're not able to send the message. They'll say it, but they won't back it up. And so it just sends the message to the team that Susie here doesn't really mean what she says. I can get away with this. And so ultimately, if the middle management, then ultimately at the top, it does come back, and the CEO oftentimes gets pulled in more often than he or she would prefer to deal with these messy people issues. Yeah, if they're not willing to set the tone, then oftentimes it becomes a problem throughout the organization. Is it true that we get what we tolerate? Essentially, yes. We don't blame anybody for getting something initially, but there's the old fool me once, fool me twice kind of thing. And that's why it's important to be able to spot patterns. In, in my book and in my coaching, I talk about some of the different types of red flags for each type of difficult person, because there's really a science behind this. And there are some pretty predictable patterns. And if we have the eyes to see it and we see the pattern emerging and we continue to tolerate it, well, yeah, then we're going to get it, if you want to use that terminology. And the responsibility ultimately lies on us. In your book, you outline eight types of difficult people. And you start with one that I think all of us are familiar with, and that is the bully. How prevalent is the bully in the workplace? The bully is, I think, increasingly prevalent in the workplace. Unfortunately, uh, the bully does have some characteristics about him or her. Some of these types are more prevalent in different genders. We do see more bullies being men than women. But if I use some of these stereotypes, some of these generalizations that overall are true, certainly know that there are exceptions. But I, I do think we see more bullies in the workplace because, number one, I think there's just more bullies in society at large. And the bully does have certain characteristics that lends itself to leadership positions. 
So oftentimes we want to promote up in the organization or elect to office in our organizations, in our associations, shoot, in our country. <laughs> we want to elect people with, care, with, with charisma and who can make decisions and can get things done. And so these are some of the you know, positive qualities of the bully. But I think in seeking these admirable qualities, we oftentimes have blinders to, uh, depending upon how strong these tendencies are in a person, can have extremely low empathy, can really treat people poorly, become demanding and brash and sometimes even abusive. So uh, the short answer is I think we're seeing it a lot more. I think it's fairly prevalent and getting more. And as long as we continue to promote this sort of equality within an organization without having our eyes open to the red flags and being able to have some discernment as to how extreme we're looking at here. So we want to have somebody that can be decisive and make decisions and exhibit good leadership, but then not so extreme that they're also capable of putting themselves in employee shoes and connecting with other people and being considerate of other people's feelings, et cetera. So empathy is really required. Empathy is one of the dominant characteristics of a bully, lack of empathy. Lack of empathy. People think a lot of times of uh, sort of the arrogant and the entitlement and all that stuff that we see on the surface level, but possibly at the root characteristic number one of a bully is really lack of empathy. And the rest of it comes, springs out of that. One of the other difficult people that you identified was the con artist. How does that person work in an office environment or work environment? Yeah, that person doesn't work very well in an office environment. And it, uh, there are certain settings that are better fits for different personality styles, but con artists ultimately break the rules. These are the rule breakers. They don't like to be told what to do. They think the limits don't apply to them. In extreme forms, you got to be dealing with oftentimes theft from the company and these kinds of things. In less extreme forms, you might see this be helpful in sort of in sales and some of these types of where you're wanting to sell somebody a bill of goods. Hopefully we do ethical selling, but this is where we see some of these people show up because again, that, that charisma, that charm, that they do have that and they have a way of schmoozing people. So we need to be on the lookout if, if we see too much of that charm. I heard somebody say one time, charm is excessive charm is like a strong cologne. You got to kind of wonder what somebody's really trying to hide. So if there's too much of that, then we got to be aware. They have a little bit of that, then it can make them good at convincing people and in sales positions and some of those kinds of jobs. Another difficult type of personality or person is the drama mama. That's the one I'm most uh, aware of as a dad of daughters. How, who is a drama mama and how does that person impact the work environment? Yeah, again, so the drama mama is... I think most people probably know who that person is just by the name, but there is characterized by excessive emotionality. Everything's a big deal. You're listening for very extreme language. And again, in small doses, this can be fun. These people can be charming. They can be energetic. They can be funny. They can be gregarious. They could be the life of the party. But then depending upon where they fall on the continuum, we got to be careful. They can become overly flirtatious sexual behaviors in the workplace that are inappropriate, those kinds of things. Is it, are these the type of people who want to keep the attention on themselves all the time? It's all about them. Their view of the world is it is a stage. It is theirs to perform on. 
And really, way number one to trigger a drama moment is to ignore them. So in dealing with these people, it is important to put them in situations where they can have the cent- be the center of attention, have their moments in the sun, if you will, in more helpful ways. And there are certainly ways to harness those types of personality traits. Another difficult person is the victim. How does the victim impact a workplace? Yeah, the victim is a tough one because they inherently believe that they were wrong and they believe that it's sort of your job to feel sorry for them. So they maybe some of your listeners are familiar with the what's been called the victim triangle. They assign themselves the role of the victim. They assign somebody else. Okay, as with all difficult people, they have what we call a target of blame. But so they assign themselves as a victim. They assign their target of blame as the perpetrator. And then they assign you the role of the judge. And so they want you to rule between. So oftentimes we are put in a tough spot with the victim because if we choose to side with them, we enable that victim mentality. And we're going to see more of that type of behavior in the workplace or in our personal life, or in our organization, wherever it might be. But if we side with the person that they've identified as the prosecutor, then we're going to trigger that. And you're going to be dealing with some sort of an incident there that you'd probably rather not be dealing with. So is the victim somebody who believes that everyone is always against them, or is that more of a drama mama? No, that is the victim. The victim believes that the world is against them, the world is unfair, there's no way out. They label themselves as the victim. And here's probably the most frustrating thing about the victim is they oftentimes refuse help. So they scream how bad they have it, but then they refuse any help that you offer. Very good. Because if they were to take your advice and start pulling themselves out of the hole, then they would lose that motivation of the attention that they get from being in that position. They have a problem. There are some similarities with the drama mama and the victim. Actually, for those of your listeners that are familiar with the DISC personality inventory, they both have I personality traits pretty strongly. So they both want attention drawn to them. They just have different strategies for getting it. Drama mamas are going to be more in your face and putting on a show and dancing and on the stage kind of stuff we talked about. And then victims are going to be more complaining whining and even things in my book, I mentioned some red flags even early to catch them in interview <laughs> interviews before we hire them. But these are people that are showing up in casts or slings or with some sort of a medical ailment and bringing attention to it. And they also, I just, I, I just had two rotator cuff surgeries. Okay. <laughs> so having a medical illness or impairment in and of itself is not what we're talking about here, but if they're using it to bring attention, and try to elicit sympathy, that's really the key that you're looking for. So it's a very different way of bringing attention to themselves than the drama mama, but it ultimately is about attention to self. This type of personality or difficult person sounds intriguing. The landmine. I think we've already all been around people who are literal landmines we have to tiptoe around. Describe that one for me. Yeah, so the landmine is... Somebody in in clinical terminology, what we call has traits of a borderline personality disorder. So these are people, I maybe didn't clarify this in earlier questions, but bullies have pretty specific things that trigger them. 
not being insulted, being criticized, not being viewed as special. A con artists are triggered by specifically rules, control-related stuff. So seven out of these eight types have very specific things that trigger them. Landmines can be triggered with a broad range of things by a broad range of people. These are the people that the book Stop Walking on Eggshells was written for. People just feel like they kind of have to walk on eggshells because half the time they really don't realize what they might have said, what they might have done that set that person off. They may describe it as well. This employee just blew up. He was just out of the blue. It was out of left field. But then when I talk to the employee, they know exactly what it was that was said that sort of pushed that button and rubbed them the wrong way. So these are people that are frequently blowing up, very intense. Sometimes you won't know what you said that set them off, but they're prone to be set off pretty regularly. Here's a personality type that sounds really interesting as well. The yes man or the yes ma'am. How is that kind of person really a difficult personality to work with? Yeah, that's the one that usually I get called out on and not necessarily for being difficult, but specifically for being high conflict. So that is the one that, that really doesn't fit the high conflict description. But we can say they're difficult. They're difficult in their own ways. And these are people that say yes, okay, even when maybe they want to say no, or at least part of them wants to say no, when it's in their best interest to say no. These are your extreme people pleasers. And a lot of people, a lot of people have some people pleaser in them. Got a lot of peoples there. It sounded like a tongue twister. But these people just cannot say no. Sally walks out of the supervisor's office. He's very clear. I need this task by the end of the day. This is very important. And before she gets to her cubicle at the end, Jill has stepped out and has a problem with her teenage daughter and she's distressed. And so Sally steps in and is spending all this time consoling her and doesn't get back to the project that was so essential that gets completed by the end of the day. So these people are very nurturing. They're very caring and compassionate. We need to have more of these people in our onboarding and in some of these kinds of roles. But they need to learn to say no to certain people at certain times to be able to be more effective. Otherwise, they can cause problems that oftentimes are just as problematic as some of these more overt ones we think about with bullies and some of these other types that people may be more familiar with. How is the overanalyzer a conflict personality? Yeah, we maybe wouldn't think of that as high conflict necessarily as well, although the overanalyzer is very rigid. They can get really dug into things. This is perfectionist that I mentioned at the beginning of our chat here. And so I have to do something perfect. I have to do something completely. And I can't stop until I do. I have dealt with people who have had conflict with coworkers, with managers, because it's time for a meeting. They need to stop. They need to come to the meeting and they just can't stop. They just can't put it down. I'm, I'll be in what I'm at a good stopping point. But the problem is for them, a good stopping point, maybe two or three or four hours later. And sometimes I had one guy that would be working until eight or nine o'clock at night and didn't even realize he was doing it. His wife was furious. He wasn't making it home for dinner. He's working unauthorized overtime, which is what got him referred to me in the first place. But they just get so lost in the details. The expression can't see the forest for the trees was invented because of these people. So focused on the minutia that they can't stop and see the big picture. And so they definitely can have problems completing tasks, problems meeting deadlines, these kinds of things. So again, maybe not quote unquote high conflict in our classic understanding of it, 
but they can cause problems in organizations and in personal lives as well. I can see this personality in myself, the skeptic. How does that person fit in? Yeah, the skeptic is just the person that in clinical terms is a little bit paranoid. Again, all of these we might want to view on a spectrum. Okay, having some healthy suspiciousness is a good thing because people that don't have any of it are naive and get taken advantage of and trust people who aren't trustworthy. I think people hear trust and think that's automatically a good thing or a healthy thing. The reality is it's not healthy to trust untrustworthy people. It's not good for our business. It's not good for our relationships. So having some healthy suspiciousness is a good thing, depending upon, again, where you are on that spectrum of personality. It can become a problem if you don't trust anyone that you work with. You don't trust your boss. You're withholding information. You are thinking that somebody's going to take credit for your idea, so you're not contributing to the project, these sorts of things. So those are some of the problems that we see in The Skeptic. Your book provides a lot of ideas and tips on how to deal with these types of high-conflict personalities. And work camping is a situation where people come together for short-term jobs. So can you give us a tip on really to help people in a short-term work environment deal with high-conflict personalities? Yeah, short-term, probably the best strategy is simply to learn how to manage it. You're not going to fix a person or change a person in that period of time. The goal in the short-term would just be to minimize the damage, so to speak. So if, I guess if I had to pick one just one general, again, it depends upon the type of difficult person that you're dealing with. But if I had to pick one general one, it would just be to learn the triggers of the difficult person that you're dealing with and avoid them. A lot of times people unknowingly sort of step on the landmine. They unknowingly trigger people. But sometimes people learn what sort of sets somebody off, but we just want to get dug in. And we know it's not right, or we know they're being ridiculous, or they're being extreme. I had somebody recently who knew that she worked with a bully. Her manager was a bully, and the bully was treating her friend and coworker not very nicely. And so she just couldn't stand it. So she would get these digs in and initiate triggers that would set this person off and cause these entire office-wide problems. And so... If I had to pick one, learn what the person's trigger is and just learn to avoid it. 90% of these struggles can be avoided if we know how to set somebody off. We learn that button to push and we learn how to deal with them in some different way. Deal with a different person, deal with them in a different way. We have to go to a supervisor. Sometimes we do have to do that, but know their triggers and choose your battles. If you're only going to be working with somebody six weeks, two, three months, your life's going to be drastically different in the not so near future. Just do what you can to diffuse the situation and move forward without escalating it. I think that's excellent advice, Jeff, because politics is so divisive now that if you get accidentally get into a political discussion, you're going to find out who is triggered by a political discussion. So the key then is to avoid any type of political discussions in the workforce. Would that be good advice? Yeah, if that's a, if that's a trigger for that particular person, then 
Absolutely. If it's a, it may be something like that where everybody seems to have one extreme side or another these days. But again, it may be more specific to the person. It may be criticism. It may be attention to detail and orderliness. It may be a personal situation. But yeah, whatever it is, learn what that is and learn how to, to not push that button. Now, if you're in a longer term situation, then maybe a more systemic change needs to be able to happen. Maybe a leadership needs to be involved on a more ongoing basis. Maybe other strategies need to be employed. But when we're just talking one, two, three months, I think most of us can tolerate just about anybody for that period of time. And oftentimes we can learn how to not make things work. And it is amazing how often, even in my personal life, I've noticed just very small things. Oftentimes we are doing something, again, even if small, to make the situation worse than maybe we're not aware of, that we can make just a small tweak. Doesn't mean we like the person anymore. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean we respect the person anymore. Can certainly avoid some uh, certainly confrontations, blowups, or otherwise uncomfortable moments. Now, your book offers some advice to employers on how to identify high-conflict personalities in the hiring process. Do you offer like coaching as well, or do you have an online course that people can take to do that too? Yeah, absolutely. I do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do work with companies as well, and I do have an online course. You can just get the online course at my website. It's jeffrigginbaugh.com. I can send you a link to the online course, Greg, as well, if you want to post it. But yeah, we certainly identify some red flags, really all the way from the recruiting process to the hiring process to the onboarding process, and then to ongoing to do things to try to facilitate cohesiveness, avoid burnout, some of those kinds of things. Very good. So if an employer has a, would like some extra one-on-one -on -one coaching to deal with these kinds of people and just have a happier, better, more productive work environment, they could contact you. How would they reach you? Absolutely. I've got workplace packages available. Just shoot me an email, jeffregenbaugh.com, jeffregenbaugh.com. And I'm glad to have a quick chat with you and see what options might be the best fit. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time today, Jeff. I appreciate it. Dealing with high conflict personalities is a problem in every workplace and we all Absolutely. encounter them. And so I appreciate your advice and I encourage people to go out and at least buy the book to learn more about how to deal with these kinds of people. It'll help them not only at work, but in their personal lives and at church and wherever they are, they're going to encounter high conflict personalities. And this would be some good advice on how to deal with them and navigate around them. Unfortunately, they are everywhere. So I enjoyed the chat with you today, Greg. Thank you. I really appreciate Jeff Riggenbach for coming on today's show to talk about difficult people and high-conflict personalities. I've encountered those types of folks since I landed my first job as a 16-year-old. However, after listening to Jeff, I also identified myself in several of the eight types of high-conflict people who can contribute to a problem in a work environment. I guess the better way to look at high-conflict personalities is that we all contribute at least one of those traits in any environment we're in. At some point, each of us can be a bully, con artist, drama mama, victim, landmine, a yes man, overanalyzer, or skeptic. The key is to be aware of all those personalities and how they play out in any environment, whether it is at home, school, church, a club or social setting, and especially at work. 
Just being aware of those types of personalities can help us identify when we are becoming a difficult person and help us to disarm a high-conflict personality we may encounter. Like Jeff said, communication is often the key. By simply talking one-on-one to someone we are having problems being around, we discover that we more often than not have common ground with that person and can develop an effective working relationship. We may never be friends with the other person, but we can be respectful of each other. In short-term work situations, like most work camping jobs, Jeff said the easiest way to ensure an enjoyable work experience is to learn the triggers of a difficult person you're dealing with and avoid whatever triggers him or her. Jeff predicted that 90% of all workplace turmoil can be avoided by simply learning what buttons seem to trigger people and then working to avoid pushing those buttons. For example, if political discussions push people over the edge and ignite their fury, then just avoid those conversations entirely. Like Jeff explained, if you're going to be working with somebody six weeks to three months, then your life is going to be drastically different in the not-so-distant future. So just do what you can to defuse the situation and move forward without escalating it. I encourage people to read or listen to Jeff's book, Disarming High Conflict Personalities, Dealing with the Eight Most Difficult People in Your Life Before They Burn You Out. It is available on Amazon. He also developed a free webinar which explores working with difficult people in greater detail. The link is in the show notes. To connect with Jeff or to hire him as a coach, visit www.jeffrigginbach.com. Today's episode is sponsored by WorkCamper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, WorkCamper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, You'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you'll find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with the community of work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a diamond or platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like to share your work camping experiences with others, I'd welcome the opportunity to interview you for an upcoming episode. Just send me an email to podcast at workcamper.com and we'll set up the interview crazy to realize there are just less than five weeks remaining in 2022. So make it memorable and make it count. Thanks for listening.